Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven Fulham podcast. We are now streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Come join me and my dad and my brother and the wonderful community that we have built. Discuss the team that we love and all the wonderful things that are a part of it. We appreciate you all endlessly for following us on this fantastic journey that we are so blessed to be a part of. But let's not waste any more time. Jack, you play that intro and come on. You are from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your full and podcast from down under, here to discuss the Crystal Palace tool draw. On the weekend, Fulham officially mid-table Marvel after locking in 10th place in the Premier League on our return to the Premier League. Here to discuss it all, we have Sam. How are you going, Sammy? It's cold. It's cold, but I'm good. I'm good. I've got my big puffy jacket on. Uh, just just living my best. I've got my feet up. I've got the pajamas on. Let's talk some Fulham, guys. It is a bit cool over here in Australia at the moment. It's probably one of the few times that we have uh, slightly worse weather during the football season than England does. And, uh, Dad, how are we going? Yeah, very good, thanks. I was cold. I'm warmer now. Um, in and, the heart yeah. or just in general? like uh, uh, In general and in the heart. Why not? Oh, well, we'll, we'll uh, give a bit of context as well on the weekend. Uh, the reason we're recording fractionally late today is because... Uh, Dad and I went away on a camping trip with the rest of the family who live over here in WA at least. And uh, we sat out under the stars next to a campfire with one bar of signal, holding an iPad, huddled up, watching Fulham play Crystal Palace. Uh, it was quite an experience. Not sure I'd repeat it anytime soon, uh, but definitely needed to re-watch the game again <coughs> The next day, because watching the game and watching it buffer every five minutes or so, uh, in I really appreciated HD after watching that game. I'll tell you that much because seeing fuzzy players running around the pitch wasn't ideal. The good thing is, you can spot our players really well. Um, I can definitely spot Willian's afro from the other side of the pitch, even if it's in standard definition. Um, but look, it, it was a, a good game, Sammy. Walk us through your thoughts on. On this one, it, it, does it feel a little bit like we dropped a few points there against the Crystal Palace side who performed okay, but were missing Wilfred Zaha, their best player? Well, first and foremost, I need to apologize to Steve Reynolds because Steve Reynolds reached out to me and I accidentally ghosted him because I don't really check my Facebook Messenger. So I apologize, Steve. I did see your message. Um, um, my predictions was going to be 2-0 and it was wrong. Um, no, we played a very, very different Crystal Palace team. I thought they've massively tightened up since the last time we played them. Um, I, yeah, I sc scrappy goals, man. Like, I feel that we did. I'm really happy that Mitrovic scored his penalty. Great header. But uh, the goals that we conceded, no, that's a bit of a longer conversation for me, which I'm sure we'll have so much fun diving into on the That's So Craven Fallen podcast. Lovely segue there, Sammy. Um, Dad, I guess give your overview of the game as well. We we watched it together, which was kind of a nice experience. Cold. 
um, <laughs> old one. Um, your, your overall thoughts on the game? Uh, kind of a bit frustrating. I mean, it was it was entertaining, and it was free flowing. And to Sam's point, um, they are definitely an entertaining side to watch, and they're exciting going forward, and they're a bit of a handful. And we 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 didn't deal with it very well. We 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 looked a bit fretful at times. Um, but but to take nothing away from Crystal Palace, uh, they they were actually uh, they were pretty good in in patches going forward. And they they're obviously not a terrible side. Yeah, I mean, look, they're almost destined to finish one spot behind us in the league. Obviously, there's. Um, a fair divide between top half and bottom half this season with us sitting in 10th on 52 and Palace eight points behind us uh, in 11th at the moment. I can't imagine Chelsea going to leapfrog them. They currently sit uh, on 43 points, so nine points behind us with two games in hand for, well, two games to go for Chelsea, but they do have to play Man United and I think potentially Liverpool on the last day of the season. Is that right? No. Ooh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not I'm not 100% sure. Sorry, I think it's Man United and Liverpool. Uh, Brighton, I think, might be their final game, actually. Um, so, I mean, look, it, it's, it's definitely a very different game from the time we faced them early this season, but it's worth noting as well, earlier this season, they did have two men sent off in that match. Um, mm. It did make a massive difference. We we completely dominated them. I thought we did look like the better side um, on the weekend. We, we definitely came into the game a lot quicker than Palace did, but it really felt a little bit like a final game of the season, which is exactly what it was. But it, it felt like both teams were sort of there to, I don't know, kind of celebrate a little bit, or at least Fulham felt more like they were they were they were there to celebrate palace seemed kind of relaxed you know they're pretty much guaranteed finishing either 11th or 12th so they they sort of see that as a bit of a success this season considering how tight it's been down the bottom of the league so it really felt like there wasn't a huge amount hanging on this game and so it was a bit of a party atmosphere it felt like there were a lot of a lot of noise from the crowd um but look palace obviously made the first impact in the game, a counter-attack from a Fulham corner, which I have to say, you know, the goal was scored in the 34th minute. I think Fulham had multiple set pieces prior to that. And we just looked a little bit off. And I don't know if it's the fact that we're missing Pereira, but Willian, who's usually very, very good from set pieces, was pretty poor in the first half, especially before that first goal with his delivery. I, I thought we wasted a number of opportunities. And this was another one. Ball comes in from a corner, and uh, Dad, a really good counter-attacking move from Palace. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's been quite a bit said about um, Kenny's kind of soft attempt to tackle. Um, and I, if my memory serves me correct, me it's it's Eze, isn't it? Who um, gets around him? Is that right? Yeah, Eze. Yeah. Yeah. And you know he 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 seems to sidestep him very very easily. Can he dive? Not doesn't dive in, but mm. it, it it looks a little bit half fast. Um, and at that point, um, they break away really beautifully, and it's a it's a good ball to set up. Um, it's Edward, am I correct? Yeah, yeah. Edward. Um, yeah. And it's it's a pretty good finish. I mean, could could Leno have done better? 
Uh, he's beaten at his near post. He wouldn't be happy with that, surely. Um, but it's 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 pretty. It it's kind of top left corner, and mm. um, it's. I'm not sure if you could have done better. I, I didn't really My, see any reverse angle on that to see to get a better sense of of what the gap was. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's it's a good counter attacking goal, um, and I think I think the the bitter part of that is how many opportunities we had in good positions. And as you said, Jack, William was particularly responsible for some pretty wasteful and average crosses. And you had a sense that you really, we, we really did miss Pereira on that kind of occasion. Cause I think certainly from, from corners or, or free kicks, you'd expect better from this Fulham team. We, we've actually been pretty good uh, all season. We've, an awful lot of our attacking moves and goals and shots on goal have come from that. Why are you laughing, Sam? Because this is such a long response. It's so it's going for ages. It's great. Oh, Sammy, okay. you, you tried to chip in a while ago. What, what are I you did. Say? I did. I did. My okay. My biggest issue is um it, 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 the counter attack. Uh, I'm not finished. No, you are. <laughs> um, the counterattack happens in the space of about 15 seconds. And Eze is a really good player, but he kind of creates so much space for himself. And I think that's a bit of a glaring issue going forward. It's a really good finish from Edouard. But yeah, Eze um, accumulating that much space, not cool for me. We, we, definitely, got hit. Sorry, we definitely got hit on the counter there. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you noticed who was back. We had Robinson back. I think Harrison Reed was one of the players back covering as well. I and so, I yeah. think that is definitely one of the issues. You know, Eze skips past Kenny. I think Kenny kind of has to commit a foul there. He should know what's behind him and, and bring down Eze. Eze skips over his tackle far too easily. But yeah. then at that point, he's basically running on. You've got Robinson. You have Harrison Reed. I think possibly Kenny Tete as well. So much but, time. You know, Diop and Tosin are forward. But the problem there is... If Diop and Tosin are back, one of them steps in to make the tackle and another one covers the pass that gets laid through. The problem there is we just got done on a counterattack. And mm. unfortunately, it's 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 a really well-done counterattack by Palace. They yeah. they hit us while we weren't prepared, and, and that's, I, I guess, <clears throat> the whole basis for a counterattack. And, and look, you have to take your hat off to them. I think Leno maybe caught a little bit easily on his near post. You can sort of see... He sets himself for the ball going across his body and it just doesn't come. So it's a good finish. He does hit it hard and he hits it high, makes it tough for Leno to save that. But it was it was a soft goal. And look, I was I was trying to think before we came into this podcast about all four goals. And all of them come down to a, a soft tackle, effectively. The the Edward mm. goal is a, a soft tackle by Kearney. The Mitrovic penalty is a soft tackle by Tariq Mitchell on Harry Wilson. Mitrovic's second goal comes about because we win a free kick because of another soft tackle by Tariq, Will um, Tariq Mitchell. Mitchell, sorry. Yeah. 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 And um, the final goal, again, it's a, it's a soft tackle from, I think it might have been Kenny Tete gives away the foul. Um, yeah, possibly. It's a, it's a soft foul. We give away a, a free kick in a good position. Uh, and Palace make the most of it. It, was it's, it all comes down to really 
poor tackles and, you know, making tackles or missing tackles when you really shouldn't be. And mm. and that comes down to the defence effectively just not doing their job. Um, moving can, on, can though, say, to... Jack, yeah, go on, sorry. Can I say just one thing? And I, and I hate to harp on it because I, I'm actually really enjoying um, Kenny stepping in and, and you know, <clears throat> filling in more than ably for Pereira. But, but this is one of the aspects of Kenny's game that is you don't really want to be relying on. And is Tom Kearney the defender, the, the mm. gutsy defender? Uh, when, when you've got, you know, two divisions behind him, and I mean army divisions behind him defending, and all he has to do <clears throat> is be creative and release players, it's a beautiful thing. Then again, um, I, I don't think Andreas Pereira was the hardest tackling player either. I think actually Kenny's he pressed impressed really himself. well. Yeah, he did press pretty well, but Kenny's actually impressed me so far with his tackling since he's come back into the team. Whenever he comes on, he does seem to get himself in and around it. And I, I've sort of put it down to the kind of day that it felt like it. It just felt a little lackadaisical, or or you know, a, a bit like a, um, a testimonial match. It almost felt like where neither team really cared that much. It felt like on that counter attack, both teams were sort of jogging. Like no, mm-hmm. there was no. <laughs> Maybe it's also the, I don't know what the right word or expression is for it, but it's the effect of Metro coming back. It's, it's a bit joyous and everyone's kind of into it and celebrating it and singing a lot and Metro's kind of into it. Maybe, uh, it, maybe it does create that sort of carnival um testimonial if you like atmosphere. i don't think it's just mitra i think it's the whole season we, we're finishing top half in the premier league and we're coming into a game where there's there is only upside there's no downside in this game even if we lost it doesn't really matter so mm. you do come into this game with a lot of weight just lifted off your shoulders and and so and and palace would be well, the same as well I'd argue that you're right. There's definitely no downside. There's definitely a flaw there, but the op- the, the the upside is even so almost unattainable. Really, you know, we might get more points, but we're not going to jump suddenly jump to two league positions. Yeah, not even yeah. one. Um, and and coming into the game knowing the result, Brentford's result probably deflates the situation a tad more. No, that's a good point. Yeah, let's let's look at the second goal. Um, a penalty right deep, deep into injury time in the first half. Was kind of expecting the whistle to be blown far before this because referees usually don't allow it to go even close to that far. Um, Tosin comes forward with the ball, plays it into Mitro. Uh, I think it's, the ball sort of bobbles around but falls back to Mitro, who first time puts a beautiful ball chipped in over the top to Harry Wilson, a perfect first touch from Wilson to cut back inside, and Tariq Mitchell is just clumsy. That's the only description for it. He leaves his whole body in the way, and Harry Wilson he has to make contact at that point. There's there's no other thing for him to do. I think Mitchell has his arm out. He's got his legs out, makes contact with his hip, and 
I don't know if you saw Mitchell's reaction. As soon as there was contact, Mitchell basically lay on the floor and just put his head back on the ground and looked up to the sky. <laughs> I feel really bad knew. for him. It's I uh, like, did he, feel he, a bit bad for him because can't hack he it just against knew. us, can he? He just can't. he was just like, yeah, he got a red card in the first game against us. He's, He's like, given oh, away happened again. a penalty and the foul that led to the second goal as well. He, he just does not like playing against Fulham. But oh, I just thought it was really funny times. watching him put his head back on the ground and just look up, going. Yeah, uh, yeah, can't do anything about that. Uh, so funny. There's so no funny. no arguments there whatsoever from anyone on in the whole ground. I don't think. Um, which is but it did look like nice. a, like a like a bit of a over fifties a, a tackle at left back. You know, the the arm came out and whacked him in in oh, the ribs. Totally. <laughs> it is, it is like, something you see in Masters <laughs> football. It looked like something you actually do see in yeah. like a charity game. Where yeah. you know the defender doesn't really play a bit of football, but he's been on "I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here," and so yeah, um, you know, in his just... head, I I heard the curb your enthusiasm theme just start playing. Yeah, it was just a little bit like that. Just um, <laughs> and and so then we see Mitro step up to take the penalty. Notoriously not a great penalty taker, we know that, but love the confidence of him stepping up in the first place. Um, but what a penalty it was, Sam. Oh no, it's great penalty, and yeah, I I was, I don't I don't like how it is totally a thing that when Mitrovic steps up to take a pen, everybody just kind of goes <clears throat> for for um uh, the non visual people for the podcast. I just took a deep breath in because you just you just you just never really fully know. But it was that's that's probably the best penalty I've seen him take. That was that's what you want every single time. That's a perfect penalty in my opinion. Yeah, dad yeah. high above the keeper, hit really sweetly, but but more just making sure he got enough power to to make sure that it wasn't savable. Because we've seen Mitra hit quite a few this year that have just felt a little meek. Oh, look, oh, brave. It's actually quite a brave penalty mm. for for Mitro in the circumstances. You know, it's it's Mitro coming back. He 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 wants to um, kind of write the story here. It's his opportunity to get on the board, and he must be feeling the pressure because he you know he knows what his his track record is of recent. And uh, so it's, for me, it's brave because he sets aside the fear of utter failure, that would be an awful, awful miss at that point in his comeback. And and he, he just goes for it. You know, it's not exactly uh, precision side netting, but he, but he puts his foot through it and he, he gives it some welly. And so it's, it's brave. And, <clears throat> you know, he deserves the confidence um, from the adrenaline that, that follows for me. And he, he just mm. he, he just looks... Really happy to be back and up for it, <clears throat> and I think everyone is feeding off that excitement. This is a training group. That was a kind of a a, a Monday morning run out in the in the in the um, the lead up to next Sunday for me. Mm. Yeah, well, as, as a couple of quotes from our live stream here from Black, White, and Fred. Mitra hit it with power. That's all I ever ask of him. I fully agree with that. Like I said, we've mm. seen a few. Very yeah, weakly hit shots, and it just screamed confidence to me that that penalty. And another one here from yeah. Steve Reynolds, great quote from Mitro: "Missed the last two, but I just had eight weeks practice." Uh, very <laughs> true. What more are you going to do on the training ground when everyone's out playing games and smash penalties into the back of the net? Um, 
Not so look, half time one all. It uh, felt like this game could kind of go either way. It was quite open. Both teams attacking quite freely, and neither team really feeling like they had a proper foothold on the game. I'd say Fulham was slightly the better side, but um, you know, I had to rewrite my halftime thoughts because fully expecting us to go in one nil down, saying you know we were creating chances, so something could still happen here. But at one all, felt a little bit more confident and. After 60 minutes, we had the second goal. Mitro again. Sammy, what a ball from Willian after struggling with set pieces earlier during the game to actually put in that ball. And Mitro, an unmarked Mitro, six yards out. That was ridiculous. Like, I mean, obviously stoked. Like, awesome, 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 awesome awesome work but like how, why is crystal palace just leaving him that open he's pretty much the only person that you would be really directly targeting because everybody knows it's a little bit of kind of like eh, maybe but like but that was, i i thought that was just kind of weird it was just kind of like a weird lapse well, of focus from crystal palace it made no sense really if you actually like think about it but you know, I'll take the goal. It's a really good goal. Really good for Mitch Fitch to get two. I think it's really important that he actually has... What, has he got now, like, three from the past two games? Yeah, three in 96 minutes, I think someone posted. Yeah. Um, and that's and really 14 important. for the season now as well. It's really important for What's that. What's interesting there... Sorry, sorry, Sam. Go, Sam. I just, I just said that's very important going into Manchester uninterrupted. It sounds better. Go on, Dad. Hmm. Talk about interruptions. I, I, I feel like I'm about five seconds behind here on the latency. Never mind. Um, <laughs> it's it's interesting, though, that Metro's at the back of the pack on that corner, and he actually peels off. He, he takes a couple of steps back and then runs around the entire group mm. and takes the ball at the front of the <laughs> and, and a great header. Like, that's a classic <laughs> Metro mm. header. But... You, you sort of think that um, someone like an Anderson, if Anderson was marking, and I can't remember who was closest to him, you'd think they'd have their hands all over him, just feeling for where his body is and keeping him close. And, and well, Anderson he, did give him a blood nose in the first half, so he's probably trying to keep his distance as much as he can. I don't think Anderson knows how to do that. So I, I'm surprised that they, whoever was actually marking him, let him peel off because he, he, he literally just runs around like, like they're practicing it at training, totally unopposed. And I mean, it's a fantastic ball. If you think about the delivery of that, that, that William actually gets it at the right height with pace for Mitro to meet it, to hardly get off the ground, to meet it at the front of the pack, to put it, um, <clears throat> you know, slot it home. So yeah, Surprising, but can, happy days. Can you imagine if that was Zaha, how like angry we would be at just that level of like negligence going on? Is it's pretty incredible from like because Crystal Palace they're, they're definitely not terrible. Uh, it's just weird. That was that was a weird scenario. Well, it's it's just unfortunately that's what you get with zonal marking. Zonal marking it's quite divisive because you know it makes more sense to man mark. And, and you have to be so organized and on top of it if you want to take on a zonal marking stance, I guess, when you're defending. The problem is when someone peels from one zone to the other, if they're not properly picked up by a defender, 
it, it you see exactly what can happen. It's just an, a free header for Mitro, six yards out, and there's no one even close to challenging him. And, and that's part of the issue as well with zonal marking is the ball gets played into that area. There's no one attacking the ball there because it, it, as you're marking zonally, that's your zone, and so you're standing still within your zone, and all you can do is sort of move towards the ball and, and jump up. The, the player who was closest to it, the Palace player who was closest to it, was behind where Mitro was because Mitro had That's run right. around in front of him and was sort of, he's waiting for the ball to get into his zone rather than attacking it. And it, it just it's just an example of how zonal marking just doesn't work sometimes. And sometimes it does work very well, but you have to be a really, really solid unit to make it work really well. But it's high, <clears throat> high praise, <clears throat> excuse me, really high praise for Willian in terms of his precision delivery there to mm. actually to, to to hit that right in the spot where Mitro um, isn't too far ahead of the pack, which means he's got to head the ball backwards, and he literally heads it at right angles to finish it. It's mm. maybe very, very clever manoeuvring of the line by our guys to actually create enough space at the front of that pack for, for Mitro to drop in there. It's pretty clever. And, and just perfect contact. Like, you couldn't hit a bullet header any better than that, and he really, really nails that. Um, moving on oh. to the final goal of the game, Palace equalising, making it to all. Um, again, like we sort of mentioned earlier, silly foul given away in a good area. Palace swing the ball in. Um, it was a, a fairly good ball into a fairly good area, but you'd think Fulham should deal with that better. Sammy, ball comes off Robinson, falls to Ward, who has two goes at it, bundles the ball into the back of the net. Should we have cleared that and done better there? Absolutely. But, like, I don't know about you guys, but, I mean, because the obvious, the obvious thing that you can go to is, well, if Tim Ream was playing, then that wouldn't have happened. But I'm not even sure if that's actually true. It was just kind of a weird breakdown. And I I, I don't know. Was it Ward? Is it Ward? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how Ward like I, I, yeah. it's I I don't I don't I... I don't I don't understand the disconnection or like the lapse in judgment going on there. But it was it was he should not have like one attempt is one thing, but then being able to directly follow it up yeah, is just scrappy. It's just scrappy, scrappy, scrappy. Don't like it. One of the things I was going to say when when I went on my long intro that you interrupted, mm-hmm. um, I did was I did. yeah, um, was I, I miss Tim Ream? I do. <laughs> well, I do, yeah. I do as well. But like, I don't, I don't think. In that exact scenario, I don't. I don't really know how Tim Ream makes a difference in that exact setup. There. Cast your mind back. I, cast your mind back to to the number of clearances off the line or thereabouts from Tim Ream during the season, and he reads the. He reads the, he's, he's 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 got a lower center of gravity than the likes of Diop, and no, I wouldn't say Robinson the same bag, but um, he's actually very agile. In the last line of defence, and he he does he does actually execute a lot of clearances in that yeah, area. But, yeah, but he's not like Yoda using like the force and just jumping around. Didn't say like, he was. I, just, I, I know. I know. I said I missed him. Love you, Tim. Love you, Tim. 
he's not Sorry? contributing to saving that goal in any sense. Uh, yeah. The ball is swung in. It bounces off Robinson's leg. I think Robinson is the only person who can do better there. And I, I genuinely think it was just unfortunate. It hits him like below the knee on like a, a standing shin, falls toward who hits it at goal, gets sort of deflected. The ball bounces straight back toward who toe pokes it in the back of the net effectively and the ball bobbles in. Um, it, it's it's an unlucky goal. It's a scrappy goal. Fulham should have done better, but I think it's, it's a bit of bad yeah. luck. I think, in fact, saying Fulham should have done better is potentially even a little bit harsh on the situation there because I think yeah that that's that kind of just happens sometimes you you have those scrappy goals that you concede where the ball's pinballing a little bit around the box and you can't quite get it clear I I think Tim Ream um maybe swings his foot through that a little bit better than Robinson first time but I think even if Tim Ream was there the ball falls so perfectly toward that there's nothing you can do about that Mm. um Ward should have put it away first time didn't and then puts it away should have put it away the second time and does um i do want to hear i do want to hear how dad reckons that tim can get between that though i i, I want no I wanna... no i think you're being i think you're being too literal about the fact that tim ream you know suddenly pulls out a cape and a magic wand and gets us out of uh, what i'm trying to say is that i think his positioning his reading of of those situations means he ends up in good positions on a more frequent basis, and we don't even end up in that problem where it kind of all looks awkward and balls bouncing everywhere. And I, no, no doubt that Ward, um, at the second time, has it, you know, set up perfectly for him to just tap it in. I, I'm just arguing that um, there is little doubt in my mind, and I'll fight you over this both of you that tim tim ream actually um is missed at the moment in terms of organizations oh, of course, oh, of course and, he is of and course stability he is. and steadiness at the back in terms of reading in terms of clearances i think he's been absolutely immense i'm just saying in that scenario that finite scenario tim ream cannot travel in like the fifth and fourth dimension so I don't see how he affects that goal from being able to go in. That was not... the point you originally made there, Dad, as well. You did say that Tim Ream, <laughs> Tim Ream would stop that from happening. Yeah, um, because Tim Ream doesn't obey the law of physics in Dad's mind. But I, I agree. Oh, okay. We definitely Move miss on, Tim Ream. You I don't think silly there's, young men. I don't, think there's, um, I don't think there's any argument that we definitely do miss Tim Ream at the moment. Um but yeah, look, it's. I think we missed Pereira as well. I, I think yeah. from set pieces. I mean, there was one point where Harrison Reed took a corner for some reason, um, and I think there was some sort of set piece there where he was going to play it to Willian, who was hovering around the near post, but it just went basically straight out of play at the back post. It was just. It felt like we we're just missing a couple of key players, and it felt like that when we were missing Mitro as well, and and. The puzzle's just not not complete. Mm. Uh, and I think we will be able to get there next season if we avoid some quite serious injuries. But um, uh, we, we'll definitely get there. Um, but look, uh, like like you said at the start there, Dad, it was a bit of a frustrating game. I think we should have done better and taken full points away from that. It was an opportunity kind of lost for me, uh, especially Ooh. when we're looking at that... Um, you know, potential record setting points total 
this was the chance to do it. You don't want to leave it down to Man United to try and set a record uh, and mm. go to go to United with a win, especially when you know there's still a lot on the line for Man United as well. They're sitting in fourth. They've got Liverpool breathing down their necks. Um, they got Brighton potentially breathing down their necks. Oh, actually, no, they're clear of Brighton now, I think. But uh, you know, there's there's still a lot on the line for Man United, and so. It's it's an important game for us to have picked up points here. It's a shame we couldn't make it all three. I'm glad we picked up one to definitely lock ourselves into 10th place for next season. But, you know, if we picked up the extra two, there was the potential for us to finish as high as eighth. Um, so it, it does feel like a bit of an opportunity lost. And it means going into that final game, maybe we will start to see a few little changes because there is nothing we can do to finish any higher. Um although there is still the potential record points total on the line. So that might potentially change things. There's a lot of potentials. Mm. I think I, 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 oh yeah, yeah, I had a point and I just lost it, but then I just remembered it. Um, uh, It was, that was what you were saying before about um, us finishing higher was dependent on um, uh, Brentford's uh, like, cause they needed to beat Tottenham which at the start of the season, you would probably be like, oh, they're probably not going to do that. But of course they did. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a shame that we couldn't finish higher. Um, and, you know, Brentford have to play Man City on the last day of the season. We have to play Man United there. We probably have more of a chance of getting points than they do on the final day. So it would would have been good to at least be in a position to potentially leapfrog them. I mean, they do just need a draw against City to... Um, to stay above us either way. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, it just feels like a bit of an opportunity lost. And um, at the end of the day, though, we go into the final game of the season, confirmed top half finish. And like I said, we might actually see someone like Luke Harris get a crack. We might see some other guys from the youth team being given a really good opportunity to run out at Man United and uh, at Old Trafford. Who, and there's there's still a lot to play Never. for there, though. You know, Man U and Newcastle both have... Um, 69 points at the moment with two games to play. Man, you play Chelsea, Newcastle play Leicester, so expect them both to pick up maximum points. If they do that, the final game of the season will determine who finishes third, who finishes fourth. So it's definitely not all over for those those clubs. Uh, no, it's it's it seems like too perfect poetry for us to have a real cracker against Man United. You know, I really can't call that game because I can I can see it genuinely going either way. I don't think it will be a draw though. It would, I reckon a draw would probably break my heart even more. To be honest, I know that doesn't make sense, but it kind of does to me. Well, you know, if, if, if Man you go on, sorry. If you're scrapping around for you know analysis here, without being too negative, great season that we've had, wonderful place we finished great points tally wonderful number of wins how good we were we away all those sort of good things but for me I'm, I'm still left a feeling like there's just there's just just a little lack of killer about us from time to time we don't sustain it there have been times when up against the really top sides we've battled so hard and seemed so keen to show that we weren't a pushover and then we come up against sides like Palace, who are not exactly Southampton, but they're entirely beatable, entirely mm. beatable by this Fulham team. And we're sitting there with, if we got three points and we beat Man United, 
like Jack says, you know, obviously a couple of things have to go your way, but we could have jumped two points. And there's, is there that lack of absolute street fighting killer instinct about us that we still need to develop? Look, I I'd, think, I'm going to jump I... in there, Sammy. Sorry, because oh. I'd rather us save that for for post season to have a conversation because that's that's a big conversation to have, and I um, don't know why you brought it up in a, <laughs> as I'm wrapping up a Fulham Crystal Palace game. But now, screw um, post season. I want to talk. No, no, about it's, um, it's, it's no, 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 no. It's too too big a conversation give, to have. Give now. me, give me, give me, give me, give me a, a sound bite. Um, <laughs> no, I, absolutely yeah, not. I am speaking. <laughs> um, uh, I think this that's not what this season was about. I think, um, uh, we, we have been so fortunate to be really competitive with the big boys, but I don't think that was ever fully part of our plan. I don't think Marco ever really wanted that to be part of the plan. I think we have gone way past what was expected of us, and that is a next season thing to be focusing on and building um i don't think that was the key thing for this season but awesome that we can at least say that we were uh, on even the fact that we were on the cusp of achieving that and that is next season's total thing that marco is going to be focusing on in my mind i actually think you're completely wrong there Uh, marco okay europe from the very start he wanted he wanted they said they've Marco always said there's no target, but it's been let slip by players slowly but surely through the season that Marco was targeting finishing in a European spot pretty much for the whole season. He believed the squad could do it, and mm. I feel like he'd he'd be disappointed with where we're finishing so far because um, yeah, he definitely enough. would have wanted more. Um, look, we, we need to wrap up this game because we've got some questions to go through and also uh, some of our top tweets as well. Um, so we'll have a quick look at just some of the stats from the game. 50-50 possession, sort of as expected. 11 shots each for both sides. Shots on target, Crystal Palace 5, Fulham 4. Similar number of passes in the game, 352 for Fulham, 371 for Palace. Seven corners for Fulham, four corners for Palace. 13 fouls for Fulham and 12 for Palace. It's way more uh, even than I thought it was, eh? It was, it was very even. Um, looking at the table, as we sort of said, Fulham now sitting on 52 points. Uh, we take on Man United in our next game. You'll see they're sitting in fourth place. If Man United lose to Chelsea, almost certainly not going to happen. Mm. But if they do lose to Chelsea, it does actually mean that they need to pick up at least a point against us if Liverpool beats Southampton, which you expect they will. Because of the goal difference Man United have, it's very possible that Liverpool leapfrog them and kick Man United out of the Champions League. So keep an eye on that Man U-Chelsea game. I'm not 100% sure which day it is this week, but it is a a midweek game before the final game this weekend. If Man U somehow lose to Chelsea, I can't imagine it's going to happen based on how poor Chelsea have been this season. Mm. But if it does happen... It adds a lot of jeopardy to this final game of the season because there is the possibility, man, you could miss out on Champions League football. We know how much that means to uh, the the pockets of these big clubs. They have to make Champions League most seasons, otherwise they miss out on huge sponsorship deals, huge amounts of cash, and they basically rely on Champions League football to um, stay afloat in, in a yeah. lot of instances. So... Uh, there's the potential to get a, a little bit of our own back if they do lose to Chelsea in the week. So 
definitely worth keeping an eye on that one. And it, it will be, uh, yeah, F fingers crossed. Uh, thanks, Steve Reynolds on the live stream, letting me know that that's on Thursday night, Man U Chelsea. Big up the Steve. Uh, we'll jump on to our questions. Uh, I can see uh, our, our one question that we had on Twitter came in from Ash Wolford, who's also following along on the live. Thanks very much, Ash. Um, one here that I'll pose to both of you. Is it not becoming a bit of a joke now how easily our players are shown yellow cards? On Saturday, Palace committed more fouls and more of the fouls could be considered dirty, yet we pick up cards for little silly fouls. Is it street smarts or is it just reputation? Um, Dad, I'll throw to you first. I, I think it's a bit of both there, Ash. Um, I do feel that we're a little bit naive sometimes that we don't read it that well. We don't read the situation in the game that the perhaps the ref's getting a bit pissed off that you know at what's going on, and then and then we we commit fouls that probably aren't that smart. Um, but I do also think that we're developing a bit of a reputation and there's uh, certainly for a couple of our, our, our key players, uh, you know, Metro, Polinia, um, yeah, definitely those. Probably Harrison Reed as well. He's probably got a bit of a target on him because he's, he's – you know, everyone knows he 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 plays very hard, and he's very gritty. Um, but yeah, it's it's I, I honestly I feel a little bit tuned out of it. I, I'm just a little bit frustrated at the whole situation. I I almost sense it's coming, so mm. I'm not that surprised when it starts happening. And that's a it, bad thing. It, yeah, it feels like there's there's a little bit of misfortune sometimes with a lot of these as well though um I, I do feel like there's a it feels like there's a little bit of targeting sometimes but in a lot of games I, I do put it down a little bit to street smarts because you know there's five or six niggly tackles and they're not bad tackles but they're what you'd probably call professional fouls leaving it a little bit late coming in not even coming in hard but just trips and it feels like we are always the side who make that foul that's the straw that breaks camel's back. And, and it, it always seems to be Polina as well. He doesn't come in overly hard in a tackle, but he is the eighth foul after 20 minutes, and he's the man who picks up the yellow card because of that, because there's just a bit of niggle and the referee has to take a stand and show that yellow card. And I think there is a bit of street smarts to that in the fact that the other teams are, are just a little bit more careful and sort of, can understand, yeah, okay, this ref's a little bit on edge. I feel like he's about to give a yellow card out, so let's be a little bit careful now. Um, but, yeah, you know, as Ash says, he's following along on the live as well. There were some pretty um, innocuous challenges during the game. Anderson elbowed Mitro, Mitro once and took him out, um, stopping him joining a counterattack. Ref spoke with him twice, but uh, neither he gave a yellow for, and both were clear yellows. And I have to agree it's with it. that. There, there were some times where the ref probably kept his cards in his pocket. And as Steve on the live stream says, and it might have something to do with it as well, it was the ref's first game in the Premier League. And it may have been that he was keeping his cards in his pocket a little longer. And all of a sudden, as soon as... Um, well, in fact, he didn't give out a yellow card in the game until Tosin got a yellow card on the 71st minute 
for time wasting, which is quite an interesting yeah, that, one with that, twenty minutes. Still that, that 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 was very surprising to me. Like, are you serious? Do you really think that he was time wasting with twenty minutes plus stoppage time to go? I, I don't believe it. Mm. I mean, that seems and, weird to me. Yeah, it didn't, um, didn't but, quite feel right. And then the other cards were Polina in the 85th and Robinson in the 91st minute as well. I, I totally agree with Ash, with his, his comment on the live stream there, though, that, you know, Anderson's a dirty bastard and we loved him for it at Fulham, but he's kind of, he's, he's a kind of player. I don't like it now. With, he <laughs> gets away with a lot. And it's just about his demeanor. He looks like a really clean-cut, nice guy. And the way in which he actually goes about playing very, very hard, just the right side of shithousery football. He's he's, niggly. he's actually He's smart. He's actually smart. Yeah. And he gets away with it. Whereas I think we are just a little bit naive sometimes. We're a little bit blatant. And we are kind of responsible for... Kind of doing it a little bit too much in, in 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 open, you know, in full view, if you like. He's um he's a direct offender of pretty privilege in my mind. He's a he's a dashing looking man, and people think, oh, he couldn't have meant it. He couldn't have meant doing that. To <laughs> poor I, I I almost said the same thing to Dad as well. He's a gorgeous looking man, and you mm. kind of feel like um he does get. It's like he stands a little bit taller, so even though he makes his niggly tackles, he looks like. You know, he just seems to get away with things a little bit more than other players do. And you'd think Polina would as well, but I think Polina just looks a bit bit angrier. Um, yeah. And, and he doesn't quite yeah. get away with quite the same amount. Prejudice. Um, I will say yeah. it here on the podcast, prejudice. 100% agree. As Ash said, I think it, it's possibly reputation rather than street sparts at that point. Um, uh, yeah. We'll move on was, to the gone, Sammy. Gone. Sorry, sorry. I no. was going to add my two cents into the um, the discussion. Um, I I would rather have a team of committing to tackles, potentially gaining a bit of a reputation. You're always going to gain a reputation, and like when you're a mid-table team that plays pretty hard and pretty pretty tough. Um, uh, because let's face it, Man City play tough, Liverpool play tough. Um, all those, all those top teams play really, really tough. Um, and I think you are right; they do play smarter as well. Maybe we're not as smart, and um, we're always going to be made an example of. But I'd rather have a team of that than not committing to anything and just, yeah, meekly look, letting teams play through us. Look at Kenny Tete. Um, he's a very clever, tough competitor. He is. He gets yeah. himself. He gets himself into, you know, he, he protects the ball really well. He actually draws tackles. He actually is very, very physical. Mm. And he doesn't get many free kicks. He doesn't give away. He, he doesn't get many sorry, yellow cards. Mm. Oh, but um, Tete doesn't commit that many fouls. So, of course, no. he wouldn't get that many yellow cards. He gets fouls. But he's, but he's aggressive. He's very, very aggressive. And I he know, but he doesn't, he doesn't really foul. He doesn't foul. Um, uh, and, you know, Polina gets a lot of yellow Ergo, cards. He's but... smart. Yeah. No, he's a good defender. I don't think yeah. that's smart. I think if you if you can make tackles and always win the ball, which Tete has this wonderful ability to always win the ball, 
Um, Polina, his his number of yellow cards, I think, is directly related to the fact that he makes more tackles than any other player in the Premier League. He makes more successful tackles than any other player in the Premier League. But in doing so, because he makes so many tackles, he he you know he he probably tackles at eighty ninety percent. But because he's making you know two hundred plus tackles this season, he's bound to pick up yellow cards because he also goes in very hard. Tete doesn't actually go in that hard with his tackles. He mm. just always wins the ball. Um, and and I think that's that's the big difference there is Tete just always manages to get his foot on the ball. The, the problem with Polina is sometimes, and we saw it, he a couple of tackles he made against Palace, he just missed the ball. And because mm-hmm. he goes in hard with his body, his whole body when he tackles, if he misses the ball, he takes a player pretty hard. And so it's yeah. easy to give a yellow card for that. Tete is is just a, a superb defender one-on-one and, and just doesn't let people get past him. You kind of can't really compare the two as well because Tete's whole thing is like literally um, because he's playing in a wing side position. So his whole, as he's always in front of the player. So basically what that does is it always allows the player to put pressure on him from behind and then basically just push him forward. But he's really good at forcing himself in front of the player with like a lot of strength from like his arms and like, and Polina is always coming straight on um, just by, the nature of the position that he plays. So yeah, I, I I don't really think you can fully compare the two. I just, I've, yeah, I feel like it's different. Uh, just having a quick look at the yellow card tables for this season, Fulham with 78 yellow cards. Um, we're sixth in the table for yellows. So mm. Wolves, Nottingham Forest, Leeds, Crystal Palace and Everton all had more yellow cards than us. And we're only a couple ahead of, we're on 78 Villa, Chelsea, and Man United all on 76 and Tottenham on 75. So I don't think we've been, I mean, looking at that, we haven't overly been um, smashed by yellow cards this season. And I, I don't believe, I think we're right at the very bottom for red cards. I think this season we've only had one red card. Um, I'll just confirm so, that. So this is a, uh, this how, is a weird how comparison. How can that be true when we got two yellow, two in reds pre- in one game? In game. the Premier League, we've only had one red card. Yeah. Um, uh, Arsenal have had no red cards this season. I think there's a handful of teams who've had none. Um, Wolves, in comparison, have had six red cards this season. We, we're definitely not a, a filthy team. Mm. Um, and I think we're probably sitting, for, for how hard we tackle, we're probably sitting about where I sort of expect us to be sitting, sort of in the middle to slightly dirtier side of the middle, which is kind of good because we, we've talked about how the aggressiveness of this Fulham team is actually something that we all admire and that we've wanted for a long time, just a, a bit of extra grit. And I think it's it's massively contributed to where we are this season as well. Mm. Um, let's have a look at the top tweets. Dad, I'll get you to read some of these out if you don't mind. I'll add a bit of context for a couple that I've picked out <coughs> specially as well. But let's have a look at this first one. This is an interesting one here from Manor Solomon's official account at mm. Manor Solomon on Twitter. Yeah, it's got a certain um, sort of uh, flavour to it, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. I'd like to thank all the fans for their incredible support over the season. It was a pleasure. Hmm. What does that mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Mm. What well, do you mean? I mean, it was a pleasure kind of. 
I don't know. When 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 I 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 read that, I uh, immediately went, oh, well, he's not. <laughs> Do you read Jack's it the same way they sound? Right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. I, I thought well, we were going to go. Did you not I thought we were going to go <laughs> go into a dance track there. Yeah. <laughs> this is the remix. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. Jack, Jack just, what, what you didn't realise yeah. is your your voice uh, went on repeat about thirty times. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. No, no. What I said, what uh, I said was, as soon as I read that tweet and saw it was a pleasure, uh, you know, the praying hands together, I, I immediately thought that's him saying goodbye to the Fulham fans, effectively, and and mm. he's gone. I don't know. I feel mm. like I feel like he might go. I feel like he might go. I mean, I don't. I'm not sure what um, assurances Silver's given him uh, as to where he'll be like next season in like the squad or what position he'll be playing. Um, William is is he's done so well, and I can see him being just as proficient next season. And I feel that Solomon would probably see that he's had a couple of opportunities to start games hasn't really worked as well as him coming off the bench i'm sure he's probably keeping his options open yeah i don't i don't know i don't know i feel like he could stay but i'm yeah i'm not sure oh we're doing polls now that's fun well no before we jump any further I, this this tweet ties into that post as well because i knew we'd have a bit of a conversation about if solomon if we'd like to see Solomon stay at the club, and this is a poll done by at by the river 1879 on Twitter. So basically saying, have we seen enough from Manuel Solomon to justify signing him permanently? Now I picked up this poll um, after 275 votes had been um, submitted. There was still an hour left to run oh. this poll. So changed slightly, but um, at the moment it was saying, yes, we should sign him 62 and a half percent. And thirty-seven and a half percent people saying no. And look, Sam, I agree, Sammy. He's he's definitely done a good job for us this season. But you know, as as Ash mentions on our live stream here, uh, there is a reason that he's not been playing. I know Willian's been mm. playing, but Willian is not a young bloke. He's he's obviously fairly fit, but we see we look at Willian in a lot of games, and he looks knackered. He really looks like he needs a rest. Yeah, we saw. Wilson, who wasn't playing that well at the time as well, continue to be picked ahead of Manuel Solomon. He's obviously come good now, finally. And, you know, we, we've seen what Solomon can do. He's a great player. But Silver obviously hasn't really uh, had the faith to to back him completely, whereas he's backed Willian and, and Wilson completely. And maybe that's because they're permanent Fulham players and he knows that they'll be around next season. But I, I don't know. It feels like he's 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 gone. It feels like I he feel is. like I feel like Solomon is a really really good player, but I'm not a hundred percent convinced he works within our system. And I think he kind of knows that as well as in Solomon kind of knows that. Mm. And you know what? Like, if say for example, he was approached by like a Brighton, where I, if I was Solomon, I would probably be like. I reckon I could probably get more game time here. I reckon this probably suits me a little bit better than what I'm currently doing at Fulham. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, we don't know. But from from 
to be fair, we 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 follow this pretty closely. We watch this closely. We follow tweet Twitter. We follow the body language. And whilst William has obviously had a outstanding season <clears throat> in the only position that I think we're all in agreement that Silver feels comfortable about Solomon playing on the left wing, right? What mm. to do? But it, there seems to be a little bit of saltiness, can I say that, about Solomon? He's, he's He seems to have chucked a couple of sads uh, when uh, maybe out of frustration he hasn't got the game time and he's come on and he didn't really seem part of it in a couple of brief moments. And I would have thought, look, Maybe maybe everyone's done that at some point in their career, but in the in the Marco Silva dressing room, I don't think that goes down well. And but in a way, I, reckon- I can understand that because, um, you know, Tosin comes into the side for Diop, and Tosin keeps his place when he performs well. Um, you know, Vinicius comes in the side and performs well, keeps his spot. Solomon comes in the side, scores four goals in four games, gets dropped. I, I do yeah. maybe understand how he's feeling a, a fraction salty, and, and it does feel like his attitude has dropped off a little bit, and I, I don't know if that's 100% true or not. It might just be the outside perspective seeing him come on in games, and he just looks looks he looks a different player from the one we saw when he was banging goals for fun back in February. And I don't know if something's happened in the in the background. You know, there's there's a bit of chat that he's being f- um, floated to a lot of Champions League sides around Europe, and I wouldn't be that surprised if there's a, a lot of interest in him because he's he's young. He's got you know a commercial aspect to him as well, being um, Israel's probably best player at the moment, or at least mm-hmm. uh, you know, when when all of this was happening and he was scoring goals for Fulham, it was. Manor Solomon fever in Israel at the time and everyone wanted a piece of him and maybe his agent is looking around now and and looking at options and and seeing better options where he can get paid more money, play in the Champions League. He's only 23, put himself in the shop window a bit and maybe find himself at a huge club down the line. Yeah. I I don't know what, you know, we know nothing. We've got no inside here. But when you kind of triangulate everything and you look at and piece the whole picture together it's it's sort of got that sense about it that he is ambitious um he it feels to me like even though he's only 22 and he's never played premier league football that he feels he should be playing in in one of the top clubs and playing Champions League football. And it almost feels like one of those situations where the team around him is getting up him, a little bit like what I think happened with Carvalho in leaving Fulham. That's a different story. But similar sort of thing where, you know, if the people around you, there's an awful lot of noise at the top level of any sport or business or entertainment or whatever. And, you know, there's press and there's, there's social media and there's a lot of noise. And, and in the end, you've got a, a little small team around you that you've got to be relying on to feed you the right stuff. And I just wonder whether 
whether Fulham was always going to be a stepping stone club for him. It, it was a way out of a war zone. Um, he, I mean, he could have gone anywhere, I guess, but I'm not sure why he came to Fulham and why he didn't go elsewhere. If he had ambitions of playing in a bigger club, why did he come to Fulham? Question. Well, I mean, um, and Fulham was a Fulham was a simple option for him at the time. You, you know, the guy's got 20, 26 appearances in the Champions League already under his. Belt. I was about to ask, Check. yeah, like I was, I was about to it's, ask, like how many like Champions he, Leagues? It's not like he's not already a Champions League quality player. I'd say he is, yeah. um, and you know, maybe if you slotted him into the Man United team, he'd actually do a brilliant job. Uh, I, I think he just. You know, he came back from a serious injury. He was competing with a player who's in the form of his life and and has is is a proven Premier League player. So I think it was tough for him. And but look, I reckon with a full preseason under his belt, he'd be a great Fulham player. I'd love mm. to see him at the club. And even if Fulham's a stepping stone, if we can pick him up for ten, fifteen million and sell him on in two years' time for forty. When he's at twenty five and in his in the prime of his life, I think that's a great, great option. And I think this side because he just adds squad depth. Yeah, I think we should definitely like make a play to lock him down and sign him. The only thing is, I just I'm I just not convinced that it would be part of his long term vision. I think he's come to the Premier League to basically get that exposure behind him. But you know, I could I could literally see him going to like somewhere like Napoli or something like that. Because yeah, you're right, he's fully a Champions League player. I think he intends to be around that level of Champions League. And yeah, I th- I think this was a bit of an exposure thing and also to kind of get him out of his like current deal that he was currently in. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's a bit of like it's there's there's politics. Are we are we are we in agreement though that he doesn't seem the happiest. Are we in agreement? Yeah, yeah. but it's like it's, it's I mean, he's in a weird, really hard situation because he's going up against a completely like reformed, like older player who, I to, for my money, is the best Brazilian player who's probably ever played in the Premier League. So he, I but, mean, if you're, but, if you're Silva, you're between a rock and a hard place a little bit in that scenario. You could say the same thing. It, it, it's it's different, I know, but talking about the way in which Silver manages his squad and you know plays people on form. Um, admittedly, Mana Solomon was coming off the bench and scoring goals, he, and he had a couple of starts, and he, he didn't do that well. It may have simply been that the the game conditions didn't suit him or the opposition didn't suit him. But you know, if things go against you and you know, the, the 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 manager decides that, you know, William's my man and overall he's my man. You're meant to suck that up. And if you think about what what Tosin sucked up for a really long time and maybe his attitude from Phil, uh, Silver's perspective is exactly what Silver expects to see. He, he, he worked hard, you know, bided his time, if that's the right word. I think and, you're right. I think you're right. But Tosin didn't play Champions League and he's not a relatively high profile player. And also as well, like like let's let's call it what it is. Solomon's a Jewish player. That's a very high marketability rating that he knows he could probably cash in on it at some point. I I don't think Solomon's thinking about cashing in on it. I I, I think Solomon I, I to 
to almost draw a line under. I think Solomon just loves playing football and wants to be starting games. Yeah, um, and well. that has frustrated him. And he's he's young. Um, I I think the Tosin comparison is not quite the same. Tosin also is in the last year of his contract. So if Tosin's not playing, he kind of knows he's got options at the end of this. <clears throat> if he he can either stay at the club or he can go elsewhere. So I, I don't the, think you can make the same comparison. Jack, Jack the, the Tosin, I wasn't comparing the players. I was comparing what I suspect. We're making an awful know, lot of assumptions here. I know what you're comparing. Well, I'm you comparing the fact that I, Tosin sat, sat back and, and took his dropping and sat on the bench and didn't complain about it. But there was a lot of chat in the background about Tosin basically looking for another place to go and play football this season. So I don't think he's actually sat back and, and had a great attitude. I think it's just um, we when Tosin's on the pitch, he's a little bit more professional than Solomon has been because Solomon looks quite frustrated whenever you see him. Tosin doesn't. Mm. But I, I don't yeah, think look- Tosin sat back and just said, you know, uh, I'm fine with all of this uh, and I'm happy with it. He was, he's, it's, it's been quite clear that Tosin was at one point looking for a move away because of it. Well, that, that's what the media chat was. We don't know if that's certain or not. And surely agents are out there hunting players around all the time. I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm surmising. I'm just wondering. And I'm trying to understand what happened when. Solomon's clearly a good player, and I'm in agreement with all of you. I'd love to have him, but I'd love to have him if he wants to be with us. If he doesn't, um, I'm quite happy for him to move on. Let's because start I a rumour. Let's start a rumour. Solomon doesn't want to be here. You heard it first on the That's So Craven Fulham podcast. No, I agree. If he, if he wants to be here, I'd love to have him. If he doesn't want to be here, then I move would on. hate for us to waste money on him. Yeah. Um, I just cool, hate that on. kind of cancer in, cancer in the squad. Cancer Moving on to the, the opposite of that, um, Zhao Polinia, um, a tweet here from Fulham Football Club, uh, but then a, a comment as well, a, a, a quote tweet from uh, Barney and Chris. I love him more than words. Shouldn't that be we love him more than words? Never mind. Very, <laughs> very few players, um, sorry, very, very few Fulham players have made such a huge impact to the club and to the fans Definitely our Joao with a big red heart. Yeah, um, and I love I, really... I love him. And uh, you know, there's he he had a little tweet um, video on on Twitter. I think it was Sunday, possibly Saturday night, um, thanking everyone for their support. And I know people started to panic, thinking, "Oh God, he's off as well." I don't believe that at all. Um, I think I think he 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 loves being at Fulham. And I think he's smart mm. enough to realise he's going to be he's he's actually absolutely central to something really great happening, uh, and he's you know he's 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 the backbone, and I did, think he loves that. Did you guys catch um, the our cottage bit? Did you guys see that video? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that it was, was really sweet during the week, which was it's really which was kind sweet. Of cool. Dad, dad, for context, um, they were just doing like a behind the scenes thing, and uh, they was they were just talking. He was just talking about being at the cottage. He was like, "Yeah, it's great being at our cottage. I love it here." And just in very broken English, and it's just precious. He's an animal, but I, he's so I, precious. I love him. I love yeah, him so much. I actually, I actually really dislike how people bully him. 
Oh, he's about, so endearing. He's, no, he's so endearing. Yeah. I love him. He's great. Yeah, he's he's such a. No, he seems uh, like every, such everyone a loves guy. the fact that we've basically been Fulham fans have been renamed renamed cottagers. Um, yeah, I know, but in, it's, it's yeah. bullying. Uh, it's, it's bullying it's his bullying. second it's language. It's not bullying. It's, it's actually taking taking it on and saying, you know, we love him for who he is, and if he wants to call us cottagers, we cottagers. I'm I'm it, more than happier than that. We're all cottagers. Bring it on. I'm it's a like cottage. When, it's like when your dog like bangs its, it's head a little bit, and you're like, whoa, you just yeah, it's patronizing. Oh, no, it's not. It's exactly the same as when. My son called you Pie Car for no apparent reason, and we went. You know what? We're going to call you Pie Car now because that's yeah. your name. That's and great. we love it, yeah. and everyone yeah. loves you for it. I want to talk yeah. about loving Jao Paulinho as well because I love Jao Paulinho so much. He is my favorite player by a country mile. I will go on record saying that I love this man. I love this man for everything that he has done this season. I will be devastated if he leaves next season in three years' time. He is. So wonderful. I love everything about him. I love his accountant haircut and I love his ridiculous rabid tenacity. He I he is my everything. I love Jao Polina. Sponsor me. <laughs> I, you didn't even need to say that. I think everyone who listens to this podcast just knew it. But I'm Jao glad you've got it out there on record now. Love Jao. Um Another tweet here. This one's from Cottage Analytica. Dad, I'll, I'll take this one, seeing as I put this one forward for you. Um, it's a bit of a thread, and I fully recommend anyone who's interested in um, the statistics of picking up points through the season and has followed followed uh, Cottage Analytica's Monte Carlo simulations that he's run throughout the season. And for context, he runs ten. I think it's ten thousand simulations, uh, basically after every single Fulham game and. Uh, it gives a, a full prediction of how the season's going to pan out. And interestingly, it, it's pretty much been bang on for the whole season. Um, this little chart that I'm showing on the live stream here uh, is really interesting. Basically, Fulham, as part of this Monte Carlo simulation, were predicted to have picked up one point per game throughout the whole season. What Fulham did that was different to that was between, uh, I think, game week's 10 and 19, Fulham picked up, uh, I think it was seven wins from nine games and basically just went on this beautiful purple patch of a run, um, which basically then set us up for the point totals that we're currently looking at finishing at because after that, we continue to go on that sort of average of one point per game. Um, uh, it's, it's a really interesting thread and I, I, I'd love to include all nine tweets that were part of the thread. But I've, I fully recommend that you actually go and check out Cottage Analytica on Twitter because this little, little um, thread that he's put together is really interesting. Uh, just for the summary of the first tweet here, a thread on the Monte Carlo simulations I've been running versus what has actually happened to Fulham in reality. In the chart below, I've shown the blue line the model predicts for Fulham's final points total after each game with the actual points in orange. Um, he then goes on in, in great detail about um, how the season's panned out statistically for us. And um, like I said, highly recommend checking that one out. And uh, a big shout out to Cottage Analytica for all his amazing stats that he shared throughout the season. It's been a really great sideways look at Fulham, I think, um, to, to give uh, a little bit of weight to some of the analysis that we give from just by watching the games to actually back it up with some statistics is... I think um, really valuable. 
Um, Dad, this one here from Ahmed Shubal, who's been covering Fulham for The Athletic since Peter Rutzler stepped away. Yeah. Uh, when William moved to Fulham last summer, most people barely batted an eyelid. But he's been one of Fulham's most important players this season, evidenced by Silver's desire to keep him, in quotes, as a priority. Um, <clears throat> his performance on Saturday showed why. And it's interesting, isn't it, that um, well, it's actually sorry. the 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 title of the article is uh, "Williams' arrival at Fulham was mocked. It has proved a masterstroke." It really has. And what's interesting about um, his performance on Saturday, I thought, was even even though, in the, certainly in the first half, his his final delivery on some of those free kicks and dead balls was pretty average. The, the rest of his play was scintillating again. And it, it 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 sort of illustrates how much we're missing Pereira and maybe a question mark as to why Kenny didn't take some of those kicks, um, as opposed to a criticism of his general outfield play. Um no, but uh I, I yeah, I mean I'm 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 happy that we're um talking about that and kind of rounding off the season. Hopefully he has one more cracker next week, but what, what a signing and what a guy I've utterly loved his entertainment value all, all year. He's just class, absolute silky class. Yeah. Like it was yeah. always going to be difficult because I, I, I forever associated him with Chelsea. I can't not. And for my hatred of Chelsea, I didn't pay as much attention to him. I mean, I've always known he was brilliant, but it's been such a it's been such a pleasure just watching him and just integrating into this side and just really committing and having such a wonderful redemption art. It's just nice. Every time I think about William, it's just nice. It's not the raw animalistic love that I have for Jao Polina, but it's like um it's like a it's it's like a it's like a nice bath. On a cold day, it's like that's how I feel with Willian. He's like, a, he's like a hug from like your mum. It's like this just feels right and good. I've uh, got... I mean, sorry, proof of how good Willian has been this season is the fact that so far on this podcast, we've he's been brought up multiple times. We talk about his superb ball to set up Mitro's goal. We we talk about the fact that his delivery wasn't as good as we expect it to be because it's been so good this whole season. We talk about Manor Solomon potentially being unhappy at the club because he's kept out of the side by Willian. You know, he's been such a key part of this team all season. Um, it, it really is one of Fulham's best buys of summer. And, it, I mean, we'll definitely talk about all of this in a, in a post-season podcast where we wrap up the whole season and look at the signings we made and, and the player of the season. But... How hard is it going to be to pick a player of the season when you've got, or a signing of the season when you've got Willian, who's been bought in, Leno, who's been bought in, Polina, who's been bought in, Pereira, who's been bought in? Like, these are all serious players who've contributed so much to the team so far this season. It's, it's really, it's just, you know, hats off to Tony Khan and the team who bought in some, some pretty talented players. And then Marco Silva, who's turned them into an amazing group. My, I, I think everyone's got this sort of uh, almost 
sunset approach to Willian is like, oh, well, that that's it. I actually think he's going to surprise us. I reckon he, he he could have one to two more seasons left in in him. I think he's got that. Like based on those playing you know, style, I, and what he does, yeah, you know, totally. If if he lost fifteen percent of his pace over the next two years, I'm still fine with that. His skills, mm. his experience, his his you know, he won't lose the quickness of his mind yeah. and his vision. And I I'm I'm still taking him. I'm I don't think playing. any of us were were saying that he was. In the twilight, I fully believe. I mean, Silver said he wants to keep him, so he's got at least one season. I reckon he's got two in him, realistically. I don't think Willian would only sign a single year extension from here. I'd say Willian would want two years on a contract, and I'm sure Silver would give it to him, hands down, because why wouldn't you? Because he's been such a star mm. for us. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, moving on to our next tweet, we've got. An interesting one here, and it's one that I will, I'll walk through because I picked this one up just before we started this podcast. Um, it's from um, Training Ground Guru on Twitter, at ground underscore guru. Um, it says, an interesting to look at stats for homegrown players in the Premier League this season. Um, it does focus here on Manchester City, so I'll just skip over that bit. Um, but... Basically, this chart here, and sorry for those on the live stream, it might be quite hard to read it. It basically looks at the percentage of minutes played by players who are homegrown from that team. So players who've come through oh, yeah. that team's academy, how many the percentage of minutes throughout this entire season that have been played by academy players at that club. So quite high on this list, we see Chelsea, we see Arsenal. We know that Chelsea have bought through quite a lot of players like Conor Gallagher through their uh, Mason Mount, Reese James come through their academy, so they they have quite a high percentage. Arsenal the same with Saka, Smith Rowe, uh, Reese Nelson, quite a few others as well. Um, Fulham down the very bottom here, zero point eight percent. The only team lower than us are Brentford, who don't have an academy and therefore effectively don't qualify for this list. The next team above us are Wolves with 4.5%. We know that Wolves signed a lot of players from Portugal, so they don't really have the space for homegrown players anyway in the first place. But, Dad, I'll, I'll throw to you and pose a question. Is it slightly worrying that Fulham aren't pushing any of their homegrown youth players coming through the academy into the first team this season? No, look, Fulham, it's, it's a well-established fact that Fulham are the outsourced academy for the rest of the premier league you know i mean we we develop players for the premier league uh, and really benefit from them ourselves and you know it, it this is not a new topic it's it's stark to see the actual stats because what you're really telling me here with brentford on zero they have no academy we are practically last um so it's. I think it's not surprising. It's disappointing, and but here we see it in in uh, you know black and white, if you like, uh, actually empirically laid out. And I and I think um, the 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 even sadder part about all of this is that a over the last few years, and we understand the whole yo-yo thing, and why managers haven't felt comfortable or safe enough and secure enough to blood players in the revolving door that's been Fulham. Um, 
sadly, what's even more ironic and even more sad is that the players that do come out of Fulham, good players, go on to other clubs and then pretty much fail. Um, mm. You know, or, or simply fail to fulfil the potential that, you know, perhaps we thought they could have. And if they stayed with us and we gave them the ability to, <laughs> to, to play Premier League football, what they could develop into. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit tragic, really, that we develop these good players and they move on because we can't fit them in, but then they don't flourish. Yeah, you know, and I'm talking Cess, I'm talking... You know, Carvalho to a lesser degree, uh, old mate. Um, can't remember his name. Harvey Elliott. Mm. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, it's 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 just a bit sad. We need to get better at that because we clearly do have an academy that's producing the goods. We're doing well. That's actually fruitful. Now the club at senior level needs to actually start benefiting. It's really, it's really, it's really weird or not, not weird. It's, it's, it's kind of hard because we're getting a lot of players poached from really, really early stages. Like, I mean, how many, how many games at Harvey Elliott? I think he played maybe one who maybe came on in like one and a half before he got signed to live, uh, to Liverpool. Um, we don't, we haven't worked out an effective way of, um, basically flipping our players in the same way that Brighton have, like Brighton do it excellently they're kind of the poster child and Southampton used to be the exact same situation and and also as well this I I I think it's important to note that things like this are never forever like um it, it always changes it's always going in and out so just because this is how it is right now doesn't mean it can't change but um yeah going forward we it, you need to make some pretty serious changes. And I don't really think we're in the position to kind of start messing around with that right now when, um, yeah, our current lineup is just currently based on the players that we have. It, yeah. And it's I, not going to change. It's, I don't see this changing very quickly because if you think about it, if Marco is fully committed and press, pressing the Fulham board really, really hard to absolutely throw the checkbook and, um, you know, pro provide him with the firepower to achieve Europe next year. Look, I, 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 look. I, I, don't, I don't see him suddenly developing this, oh, uh, attitude of, oh, where are the youngsters? Let's give them a go. You know, he, he'll be trying to buy some serious, serious talent. Honestly, honestly, I think different managers do different things. I think if you like Graham Potter's really good example of this, he specializes in young talent, bringing them up, getting them through into like the first team and then reselling them on like a pretty decent resale value. And then there was always the argument of, well, um, they were just good players to begin with. But no, he's constantly just he was able to just create that environment where you, those young players get better i think certain managers specialize in different things i think marco silva is particularly good at working with that those those players that kind of have a lot of talent initially and uh, are kind of on a bit of a redemption kind of arc maybe like because he, he seems to like specialize with like 26 and over 
kind of players. I'm not really sure if he's that nurturing younger talent guy, and that's absolutely fine. You just got to stick to your strengths. Um, I think you would need to completely flip the script if you wanted to start focusing on but young players coming through. I, I think you, I, I get what you're saying, but I think you're a little bit on the wrong track there. I think we're not talking about flipping players to sell because it, a lot of teams can do that. And I'd say we, we haven't been bad at that considering we, we, we should have picked up some more money for a lot of those players. But the, the point is we should be retaining these guys. There's, if I look mm. look through a quick that's list, that's not what of Sam is some... saying, Jack. That's yeah, not that's, not, that's, that's not that's not our focus. Yeah, I know. I, I'm saying we, sh- we should be retaining these guys though and giving them opportunities because if I look at a a list of recent academy players at Fulham, I see Harvey Elliott, Carvalho, both playing in the Premier League. Ryan Sessegnon playing in the Premier League. Um, Eze was in the Fulham youth setup, uh, admittedly a long time ago, but he was. Um, mm. Patrick Roberts, who's having a really good season at Sunderland. Moussa Dembele is, you know, a really good striker in the French League and has been touted as coming to the Premier League next season, potentially. Um, You know, we've given up quite a few players who could easily be playing at a high level and at least filling out a squad for us. Um, And I think that's where we've we've gone wrong, is letting those guys go. My my point is more... At like Brighton, for example, I, I just got to keep going back to them because they're just the best example of this. Um, I think at Brighton, there is a very clear understanding that if you're a youth player, you will get an opportunity to play in that first team. And you kind of know being a youth player, you are seen as a project that the whole club is working towards. Whereas at Fulham at the moment, um, Andreas Pereira is your center attacking midfield and then maybe Tom Kenny behind him. Mitrovic is our starting striker. Tim Ream is not going anywhere. Leno's not going anywhere. You have these very established positions that I don't think that incentivizes young players to want to stay at this current time, is all I'm saying. Because uh, you've Brighton's got a manager... Numbers are slightly who's... skewed as well, though. Um, they, well, they've Lewis, been Dunk, Lewis Dunk is a Brighton youth player who's come through the team and he's their captain. So he's played every single game for them. Um, at that point, you instantly skew the stats to 10%. They have Evan Ferguson, Evan Ferguson who came through early this season as well. Um, you know, he's someone who came up through their youth system and um, he played, uh, I think it was 10, 15 games for them this season before he got injured. Like mm. all, all it takes to, to be top of that list is to have, one player come up through your youth team who who starts every single game and then a handful of other players who just make appearances through the season. The problem for Fulham is that 0.8% is Luke Harris's combined maybe 60 minutes this season. I don't know exactly how many minutes he's played, but I I feel like we should be giving more opportunities. We've been 3-0 up in games this season and haven't seen Luke Harris come on. Why, Why are we not giving opportunities to players when... We, we've won 15 because games this year, and not many of those games were edgy games where you didn't have an opportunity to give more minutes to youth players. And and everyone sees that as something we should be doing, and it seems like a very good global way to approach this in the long term. But I think to Sam's point, to articulate Sam's point, what he's saying is, you know, Marco Silva, love his socks. He's a very focused man. He's on a mission, and he's going to get Fulham into Europe. 
and the kids can wait. You know, we he, he can be magnanimous and have a developmental outlook. Might be very short term, a developmental outlook. Um, ne- manana next year, but right now we need to establish ourselves. We need to get ourselves up to sixth. He's probably thinking Champions League. You know, yeah, but I don't. But then there's still no opportunity for youth players if that's the case. Because if he's pushing for Champions League, you're not going to give young players a chance because you just want to win games all the time, which is fine. I'm fine with us. And I reckon games, that's. But, I reckon that's what's going to happen. Yeah, but you're also honestly. not sustainable at that point as well because you have to purchase players, and yeah. you purchase players always at a premium, and then you have to sell those really good players because you're not a Champions League side, and therefore you you end up becoming like like a Leicester who drop off because you're not sustainable as a club. And, and I, honestly, I think we, we need to be a little I bit wary of that. I, yeah. Jack, I didn't say that's the smart way of doing it. I'm saying my, my instinct is that that's how uh, Silver's going to do it. He's going to yeah. get us into Europe, and then he'll sort that problem out later. Once he's there, he'll keep spending money on having the right place to keep us there, and at that point... He'll, he'll maybe feel comfortable, relaxed, and secure enough to introduce the best of our young players, by which time the Harrises and all these other guys we're talking about may well be gone. Um, yeah, and it'll be the, down the to the next. Well, it, 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 the timing then is not right for Silver's plan, and it'll be the next uh, group of players coming through who might get that opportunity in a European setting, in mm. a club, a very high-functioning club, that in, in Silver's mind, he's done his job. Yeah. I'm just speculating. I'm not saying that's the right way of doing it, but I'm getting a sense that that's the way he wants to do it. I think I think you're right as well, and I think all these things are incredibly cyclical. And if uh, I think it could genuinely be Marco Silva's destiny to actually get us into those spots and potentially another new manager to come mm-hmm. in and actually clean up the yeah. other side of it. And that's just the nature of Maybe. football. And then if that might not work, and then we could... It could all come crashing down, which underscores why it's so important to just appreciate the moments that we have now. Because <laughs> the beautiful thing about football is nothing is forever. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. the the reason I don't agree with that is because I don't think it's it's that cyclical that there are just always good youth players coming through. Um, you know, oh, no. if yeah. you look if you look back over the years, we've had a handful of good youth players, not at the very top level, but. Really, the only one who's who's made a very good mark, I'd say, is is Harvey Elliott, um, and he, you know, he came through the academy in two thousand and three. He's part of that age group. Before that, you're probably looking back at Dembele, who was eight years before that. Like, you might only have one good player come through every six to ten years, and if you miss the opportunity to blood him and he goes elsewhere. You lose out big time, and and that's what I'm wary about. Is that we've got this player in Luke Harris who is already getting international call ups, having not got opportunities at a first team level because he is that good, and we're potentially missing out on him. Um, uh, and I, I think we just need to be doing more in that space. Anyway, we need to keep moving on because we've passed a very long time in this podcast so far. Um, a final tweet here from um, at Fulamato. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty funny. Picture of uh, Shahid Khan uh, looking very, very excited. Uh, season's just got better. We finish above them lot. Big time. Uh, Always good to finish yeah. above Chelsea. It's the first time 
ever, I believe, that Fulham and Brentford have both finished above Chelsea. Uh, first time since the 80s that Fulham have finished above Chelsea. I believe that was when both teams were in the second division. Um, yeah. So it, it's, look, it's a big thing. And, um, you know, I saw Fulhamish putting out a tweet basically saying something similar, saying, you know, don't even care that we finished below Brentford. Well done to Brentford for finishing above us. It's just good that we finished above Chelsea because it doesn't happen very often. We finished above Brentford multiple times over the last 20 years. Even the last 50 years, we finished above Brentford multiple times. You don't have these opportunities to finish above a team like Chelsea who have all that financial firepower behind them. It's great to see that we've actually got one up on them this year. And well done to Brentford for doing the same as well. doesn't mean I like Brentford, but I think we can both join hands at this moment uh, at this moment and sing happy songs about both teams finishing above Chelsea. Um, the enemy of my enemy is my interesting. friend. Correct. <laughs> now, do we actually have time for a cottage cheese? I can definitely get uh, into we your definitely daily source don't, of but Let's do it anyway, Sam. Right, let's rock and roll. Okay, so it's that time for your daily source of protein. It's cottage cheese. Get hyped in the comments. Yeah, you're not really. But anyway, go on. Let's play. Okay, so... Set up for cottage cheese this week. Um, I've just uh, I've just come into my thirties. Yay for me! I made it all the way. So this is a this could be your life adulthood milestones moments for cottage cheese. Now we can do this one of two ways. We can stick to the normal format, or you guys can just freestyle and just pick whoever you want. Would you would you do Would you rather the Would you rather still, or do you do you get the concept enough? How do you guys want to play? I just want you to do it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. It's like adjudicating adjudicating your wedding. Tim Ream or Marco Silva? Tim Ream. Adjudicating my wedding? Yeah. As in MCing? No, oh, as, in, okay. as in like, like I'm marrying you. Yeah, who's your who's celebrant? celebrant? Yeah. Tim Ream. Tim Ream? Yeah. You don't well, want that Sorry. <laughs> Who we're talking about? Uh, to me, or Marco Silva? <laughs> uh, I think I'll get a very vanilla kind of a um, uh, yeah. Quick game's a good game. Yeah, I'm going Marco Silva just to be different. N- nice. Okay, yeah. cooking for the passion. wedding. Nice. I love it. Speaking of passion, cooking the wedding cake, Mitrovic or William, who would bring the taste home for you? Neither. But I don't um, know. Mitrovic kind of looks like a chef. No, yeah, Mitrovic purely because I... he's got less hair to end up in the uh, in the cake. I don't know about that. Yeah. He was Serbian. Uh, uh, William's a he's a foodie, uh, and he owns. Well, a he restaurant. owns a restaurant. I don't think he had used to. Used to. No longer. And he's a foodie, so I'm. I think I'm he actually here. is a foodie. Yeah, I listened to Fulham Fix. I'm pretty sure he actually is a foodie. I think he went into that. Um, delivering your firstborn child, Harrison Reed or Vinicius? Because <laughs> Vinicius just always seems to be there for the important moments. Um, I think. I think if you if you worry about any complications, I think uh, Harrison Reed is a very safe pair of hands. Safe I think he's reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Vinny'd be messing about. He'd be trying to crack jokes, which would be good for the tension. But he may just be out having a dart or something like that out the back when it when it's actually happening. 
but he would be there, and that's what Vinicius does. Also, um, Comba just says, uh, no one wants pizza on a wedding cake, and I hardcore disagree with that. Um, building your first home, Leno or Tete? Uh, I'll go Leno. I think... Um, Built like a brick house. I think, no, no. I think, uh, yeah, I think he could probably carry two dozen bricks in his hands. And I think uh, I, I, I can see him there with the architect's drawings going over it and very systematically kind of working through oh, we get his it. He's uh, German. task list. This is, yeah, this this is yeah, go like racist now. <laughs> and finally... <laughs> And finally, uh, who are you going to have your hot, steamy affair with? Jao Palini or Tom Kearney? TC, my boy. I knew you were never going to finish with Your Your loyalty is inspiring to that man. Yeah, look, I think uh, Jao Palini is many things, but um, and I'm sure his wife disagrees solidly on this, but he's just too much of a cuddly bear. Aww. and I that's think why he's a gentle love lover. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's an image, and that's also cottage oh, cheese. Thanks for having geez. us. <laughs> anyway, guys, we need to wrap this up because we have gone way, way over time. How many um, cards are you getting in bed? Jesus. <laughs> thank you so much, guys, for joining me tonight. Uh, it's been good to talk through the game. Um, we're wrapping up towards the end of the season very rapidly. It's really come around a lot quicker than I kind of expected but we're almost almost at the end of the season now. One game to go against Man United. We'll be previewing that game in the coming days we'll have that podcast out and then we will be um, uh, we'll be then previewing or reviewing the Man United game and then we've got a few things in the off season we'll do a bit of a season review and then a special quiz coming towards the end of the season. We've engaged other Fulham podcasts and we'll have them as guests on so we're really looking forward to that. Uh, we'll get a date for that in the coming weeks and organise that. It should be uh, a really good a good experience to actually join hands and sing Kumbaya with a few of the other Fulham podcasts. There's a lot of us out there, um, and I think we've all been very good at um, you know staying pretty friendly with each other so far, but uh, battle lines will be drawn as we take each other on in a quiz, which uh, I'm really looking forward to. So keep an eye out for that one on the socials in the coming weeks. Sammy, thank you so much for joining us. It's so late here. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go to bed. It's your own fault for ranting too much. And Dad, thank you as well. Yep, thank you. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Beautiful. So, everyone, thank you again for joining us. And until next time, come on, you whites.